get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome to the show. Happy almost New Year's, ladies and gentlemen. This is TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. You can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. We'll tweet out all the links from there if you miss any of the show. Nice program to wrap up 2017. Travis Yost from TSN.ca will stop by momentarily. Then James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, following him. Our NHL fantasy expert James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. And then with Heroes and Zeros, Scott Cullen, also from TSN.ca. So you know what? Let's, let's not waste any time. Let's go to the 3HL Tour hotline. And catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. You can check out the 3HL Owen Sound Bayshore Knockout Saturday, January 13th from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Harry Lumley Bayshore Community Centre. Again, you can get those tickets at 3HLTour.com. Travis Yost on the line. Travis, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'll be better tomorrow when I start my vacation, but today is still a good day. Now, Travis, I was going to say, last week you teased it. Today was supposed to be the big reveal of where Travis Yost is going on vacation. (laughs) Are you ready to reveal that? Uh, It's a holiday tradition like any other. Uh, Yeah, we're going to Kauai for a week or so in Hawaii. Stop. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I rubbed that right in your face before I uh, got on the plane. You are a monster. I love Hawaii. I have been to Kauai, and I just wipe snow off my car. So, all right, Travis, I'll try to I'll try to get over that. Let's let's get to it before I start weeping on the air. Uh, you've been writing a lot on Twitter this week in regards to Sens winger Mike Hoffman. So Hoffman's a guy that's quietly been on the cusp of thirty goals each of the last three seasons. He's on a decent contract that goes through the twenty nineteen twenty season at five point eight one at five point one eight million dollars a year. The winger has been involved in multiple trade rumors throughout the season. So how do you see his future playing out? <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't, Andy, I can't make much sense of this deal beyond Ottawa just wanting to shed payroll. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 I ask anyone, go, go around the league and look at players who are on their third contract, second or third contracts. So you know they're priced up because they're UFA or RFA signed. Hoffman is making $5 million a year, and he is, over the last four years with Ottawa, I think he's 21st in the entire NHL in goals. And the guys ahead of him, to be clear, are like Ovechkin, Tarasenko. Like wow. We're talking about like absolute superstars. I mean, when you're in the top 25 of goal scoring, you are more than a somebody. You are an elite goal scorer. He's a first-line winger in the NHL. And, again, whatever defensive deficiencies he may have, and I, I don't think he's the greatest off-puck player in the league, don't get me wrong, but Ottawa has outscored their opponents by 30 goals over the last three and a half years with Hoffman on the ice. So either he is such a freaking good goal scorer, it doesn't matter, or his defensive game might even be underrated. Whatever the case hmm. is, though, Ottawa has always been a, been a better team with him on the ice, and I, I just I just don't see how... Like, I get that Ottawa is maybe considering the idea of, you know, kind of re- rebuilding this roster and moving contracts around, but he's 28 on a team-friendly deal that has two and a half years left, and he is a consistent 27-28 goal-per-season player. I mean, that's, he has been lightning consistent over the last four years in that front. So 
I, I, I just don't see how they're ever going to get anything that's equivalent to Mike Hoffman. They might get a nice future draft pick or a nice future prospect, but what's the best case scenario for that player? He's Mike Hoffman. I, I mean, maybe. Like, <laughs> and you got him. It's it, it's it's a very yeah exactly it's a very tough proposition and I I get that Ottawa wants to cut payroll but there have to be better options than trading maybe your best goal scorer on the roster right now. Well, yeah, because even if you're going to go into a rebuild or whatever you want to do, you still have Hoffman, as you said, on that team-friendly contract, 20 in his prime, and you, you, that can be a leader. You can't have all young players zipping around. Look how that worked for years for Edmonton, right? So I'm with you. That's very confusing. Yeah, and let's, one other thing that I would be remiss to if I didn't note this, a lot of this seems to be born out of, look, we're going to cut salaries because we're underperforming this year, and I kind of understand that, but Two biggest contracts on the team, Bobby Ryan, Dion Phaneuf, two players owed still $67 million over the life of their contracts. And you know what? Those problems are coming home to roost now, and it might mean that Ottawa loses some decent talent because of those contracts. Wow. Uh, Travis, on TSN.C this week, you looked at how Canadian teams have managed their defensive units. Now, when we look at the Maple Leafs chart, it becomes very clear that they have two guys for their power play unit. Jake Gardner, Morgan Riley, two guys for their penalty kill, Hainsey and Zaitsev. Does this kind of information highlight Toronto's need to add a defenseman, or is it something they can survive the rest of the year without? So it depends on what their goal is, right? Yeah, and and yeah. If, if their goal, if, if their goal is, look, we want to we want to make the playoffs and we might want to make a real run this year. I, I think their blue line is fine for that. If they are legitimately talking about the Stanley Cup uh, potential and. I don't see why 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 they can't. I, I clearly Tampa Bay is a better team today, probably Columbus too. But I mean, like outside of maybe those two teams, I could see Toronto ma- and honestly include Columbus in that. I, I think Toronto can match up with any team in the league. The only team they'd be a dog against is probably Tampa Bay at this point in the Eastern Conference. But you know, Tampa Bay. If, if, sorry, Toronto. If you look at the other teams that I mapped out, like they, you know, Mark Giordano, Eric Carlson, um, Shea Weber. It, those types of players, you see how their coaches deploy them in all situations, right? They see a ton of penalty kill minutes, ton, ton of penalty kill minutes, ton of power play minutes, and ton of five on five minutes. And that's not only because they're very versatile, but it's because their coach genuinely trusts them to get the job done, regardless of game state. In Toronto, you have none of that. You have mm. power play guys and Gardner and Riley. You have penalty kill guys and Zaitsev and, and Hainsey. And then you have his third pairing, who he is terrified of using, unless it's at five on five and sheltered minutes. So I think you see, what I think you can conclude is Mike Babcock does not feel like he has a great blue line yet. Now, if if the front office goes to Mike Babcock and says, look, we can get you a, a top four guy, um, which I'm sure they talked about when Travis Hamannick was, when they were sniffing around Hamannick last summer. Um, but, you know, just kind of along those same lines, like if, if we can get this guy for you, uh, where do you where do you plug him in? How do you see him fitting in? Like I, I think Babcock would be probably be the biggest endorser of that because I, again, I, it all comes back to where is the one area we're skeptical of the Maple Leafs? It's on the back end. Uh, they don't have a single pair that can really slow the game down. They don't have a pair that can close out a game. Um, a lot of talent, but just kind of like not not one dimensional talent, but very specific skill sets that maybe even are a bit redundant, especially with Gardner and Riley. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, again, they are back in the trade market for that top four defender or if they think they can internally develop them.
in conversation with Travis Yost from tsn.ca on Twitter at Travis Yost. Travis, the Canadian team that has been most dominant all season long has been the Winnipeg Jets. But some tough news this week for them with Mark Scheifele going down for the next six to eight weeks with an upper body injury. Now, a sign of a great team, as we know, is their scoring depth. Is Winnipeg capable of surviving without Scheifele? Yeah, I think they are. Um, they, the, the, bene- the big benefit on the, and on the Winnipeg side right now is that they have a lot of depth. And like, yeah, look, there's no, there's no team in the league that can just 100% absorb a loss to their best forward or second best forward or however you rate Shifley. He's one of the two. Uh, but, but Winnipeg has the, the depth that they can get by. And, and, you know, maybe they're a 100-point team with Shifley in the lineup and a 92-point team with Shifley in the lineup. But if you remember, if he's only going to miss eight weeks, you're talking about what – call it 16 games or so, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they lose an incremental game or two in that mix because they don't have Shifley, but, and, and that's not nothing, but at the end of the day, like, what are we really talking about here, right? Like three or four points in the standings. Like, I, I think Winnipeg will be fine. I think, I think they have enough scoring depth around him uh, that they can kind of stem the tide, but yeah, like this, regardless, this is a pretty tough loss for a team that really uh, was really making headway. Um, no team has improved since the beginning of the season quite like Winnipeg has. If you actually look at their numbers by month, from a scoring chance or shot or goal differential, whatever you want to measure it, in the first like four weeks of the season, they were near the bottom third of the league comfortably. But since then, they've been in the top five, top six in that Tampa Bay, Toronto, Vegas, Nashville mix. It's pretty impressive. So, yeah, a, a bit of a setback for the Jets. And, you know, you can't possibly expect the same exact type of performance, but they do have the requisite depth that they can get by, uh, I think, for, for a six- to eight-week stretch with, with one player out of the lineup. Travis, let's go for the tradition like no other on this program. The weekly look at the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay? It's <laughs> 9-0-1 in their last 10. Goal differential, a plus 23. They are sick winners of six in a row. First in the division, when we talked last week about their ability to score, uh, but it was their, their ability to keep the puck out of their own net. Was, was that going to be the challenge for them? And despite not having the best defensive core on paper, they're still tied for the best goal differential in the Western Conference with the Kings. How has that defensive core been able to get it done? I'm not entirely sure. I got to be honest with you. I did not. I, I thought it would be their undoing. Yeah. Um, I, when I when I kind of projected how they would finish this year, I thought they would be a little better than people thought. But I, I clearly, I didn't think they'd be this good. I, I think what has happened though is I think one thing that I probably overlooked, and I think maybe a lot of other people have overlooked. You know, defense isn't just about the blue line, right? It's also about like how how well do your forwards support the defensive side of the game, and. While they don't have, I mean, we talked literally last week about how they don't have like a single superstar player. Like they don't have that one guy that you know can get you 35, 40 goals in a given season. That's that's fine. I, I think we did overlook though or discount the fact that a lot of these like second liner type wingers and centers that they got through the expansion draft were pretty good defensively. I mean, David Perron's been a very good defensive player. The whole March so line never never doesn't have the puck. I don't <laughs> Uh, I just broke English there, but they, they always have the puck. I mean, that's that's the reality. So you don't really have to worry much about defending there. I, long story short, I think the forwards have done a really strong job of supporting the team defensively. Eric Halla, um, Alex Tuck, like these, these guys are polished defensive forwards, and I think they've been able to alleviate some of the burden. Uh, but the, the one big piece too that wasn't in place at the start of the year that I think has really helped them, Shea Theodore has been awesome for, for, for Vegas. And we knew that was going to be the case. Like that was one of the, maybe the biggest 
sexy prospect that, that Vegas was able to land through the expansion draft. Um, and he did not start the year with the team, if you remember. But since his call-up, he's playing top four minutes, seeing a lot of time. Uh, you know, him, Nate Schmidt, they've got a couple guys who can wheel and move the puck, and I, I think that has certainly supported it. But, again, I, I, think, I think Vegas, more than anything, is a testament to defense is not just about how your two you know, guys on a, on a pairing can slow the game down. It's also about how well your forwards support the play, and I think Vegas does an incredible job of that. Travis, I want to wish you a very happy new year, and I hope you enjoy Hawaii, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, Ed. All right, that is Travis Yost. We'll be sunning himself in beautiful Hawaii, and we'll talk to Travis next week for our year in review and look ahead special TSN Hockey Analytics Show. We'll take the break. On the other side, James Myrtle, editor in chief of the Athletic Toronto Stops by. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN Radio Network. Do you love three-on-three overtime hockey? Then you'll love the 3HL Tour, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league. Some of the best hockey players in Canada competing for money in your hometown. One day only. Three hours, eight teams, one winner, $15,000 cash purse. Upcoming dates, January 21st at Barry Molson Center. Go to 3HLTour.com and grab your tickets. That's 3HLTour.com. Use promo code 1050 for 30% off tickets. Presented by The Mobility Shop, GTA's number one home health care equipment retail shop. to the point and the drive is deflected just wide of the avalanche goal off the stick of Borgman. Sharp angle chance, scores! Roman Polak comes in off the right point and he shoots this from almost the goal line and somehow it goes in! Well, that was a Roman Polak goal as the Maple Leafs fell 4-3 to the Colorado Avalanche on Friday in overtime. Welcome back! The TSN Hockey Analytics, I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN Radio Network on Twitter, you can get us at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. Miss any of the show or want to go back and check it out uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, the iHeartRadio app, the TSN 1050.ca show page. Just go to the show page section, scroll down till you see my smiling face, click on it, and you get all the episodes right there. Another smiling face who joins us now on the 3HL Tour hotline is James Myrtle, from the Athletic Toronto. James, how are you? I'm good, Andy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Yes. So, uh, hey, we just heard the Roman Pollock goal. So despite getting a rare Roman Pollock goal, the Colorado Avalanche did defeat the Maple Leafs last night, 4-3 in overtime. Do you see that loss as just being a matter of fatigue on back-to-backs? Or do you think Toronto really missed Nazem Kadri, who's out with an upper body injury? It's kind of a combination of both of the things. It's mm. it's it's tough to win on a back to back, especially when you're on the road like that and there's travel involved and um but you take out Nazem Kadri, you don't start your starting goalie, you start a goalie that hasn't played in the NHL this year who had to fly across the country and got into Denver uh the night before, one o'clock in the morning. Um you take Connor Carrick out, you know, Nikita Zaitsev is out. You look at how diminished the least roster is. On paper, they're a better team than Colorado, but you work in all those factors, the fatigue, the travel, uh, starting the backup, not having uh, Zaitsev and, and Kadri and some others in the lineup, and all of a sudden Colorado becomes a favorite in that game. So I think the Leafs did well. They played really well in the third period. They did well to get a point out of the game, and I don't think they can be too upset with having three points in the first two games of the road trip. James, last night you tweeted that the Leafs aren't looking as, quote, fast as they did last year. Uh, this results in more time on the penalty kill than the power play. The, the roster didn't change much at all from this year to last. So what would you attribute the change of pace to so far? I think it 
it's a style of play thing. I think based on what we're seeing from the Leafs, I think they're dumping the puck in more. I think their their breakouts are more hard off the glass. Um, they were having a hard time, you know, after the 10-15 game mark of the season, teams really started bottling up the neutral zone on them, and they were having a hard time getting through that. So it seems like Mike Babcock's made a change into the way he's approaching uh, how they move up the ice. And it's it's not as much carry the puck and, and try to make a play and I think that that makes it harder to draw penalties. And if you look at it, the last probably 30 games the Leafs have played, they've spent more time on, on the penalty kill than the power play. And that obviously hurts you, especially when you have a power play as good as the Leafs is. And you have a penalty kill that's uh, – the Leafs is just okay. I would I would call it probably mediocre, to be honest with you, even though the percentage is relatively high. A lot of that's due to Frederick Anderson having such a good year. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, he joins us on the 3HL Tour hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league, coming to a city near you next. It's the 3HL Owen Sound Bayshore Knockout, and that is Saturday, January 13th from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Harry Lumley Bayshore Community Centre. You can get your tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com or see where they're coming next to a city near you on sale at 3HL Tour. All right, James, you wrote in The Athletic just before Christmas about how you'd like to see the Leafs try to roll with Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley as their top defensive pair. It's been a tough month for the Leafs' blue line, and we saw Martin Marincin being added to the mix last night. How do you think the group has fared in the absence of Nikita Zaitsev, and is a Riley-Gardner pairing something you'd like to see? Well, they were out there for the goal that got them back to to overtime that tied the game. So, you know, I... I, what we've seen is Babcock go to Gardner and Riley playing together when he's in need of a goal, when he's trying to make a comeback. He used it in, in Columbus there before the break as well. Um, I think it makes sense and just to get those guys more minutes. I mean, I think you want, with Zaitsev out, you want Riley and Gardner to be playing 23, 24, 25 minutes every night. And it's hard to do when they're on different pairs and when neither of them plays very much on the penalty kill. So that's why I would kind of lean in, in that direction. I, if you look at the results that, that Riley and Gardner have had when they're on the ice together over the, the, the their entirety of their time with the Leafs, they've been very, very good. I mean, they're a fantastic possession pairing. I know the problem with that is going to be that they're both very similar players. They're both your best breakout players. They're both the best at handling the puck. They're both your best offensive defensemen. So you, risk, you run the risk of, of being a bit of a one-trick pony in that last night when they had Riley and Gardner together, um, for a sustained stretch at the end of the game, that meant that the next pairing they had to roll out was Hainsey and Polak, which obviously diminishes your second pair. So I'm sure it's it's sort of a balancing act, but at the very least, I think what the Leafs need to do is that when they're trailing in a game, maybe they go to that formation with Gardner and Riley, who I talked to them about it. They love playing together. They'd love to do it more, and I think that could be a kind of a secret weapon they can go to at times. And, James, when we look at the pattern for Mike Babcock, it's been pretty predictable that the the backup goalie gets the second of back-to-back games. Curtis McElhaney has performed great in a role that isn't necessarily set up for him to succeed. But do you think Babcock's approach is fair to the backups, especially if it's a late call-up, like, as you mentioned, Calvin Picard flying cross-country last night? Uh, is, Is that fair? And do you think, uh, uh, based on how well McElhaney has played, would you like to see him being used more to give Freddie Anderson a bit of a break? I do think that they run the risk of playing Anderson too much. The Leafs have 14 back-to-backs this year. If Anderson plays every game that's not a back-to-back, that's 68 starts. That's that's even more than he had last year. That's a mm. lot of hockey. And, you know, I'm 
pretty sure he leads the entire NHL in, in shots faced and, and saves made. You know, it's hard to ask a goalie to do that year after year. So, you know, if they could dial him back to under 65 starts, I think that that would make sense. And that would mean playing the backup in some of the non-back-to-back starts. So it's really interesting that the Leafs do it this way, that they give the harder game to the weaker goaltender. And I wonder if the analytics department that they've got there has looked at this, or it's a decision that has obviously been made in the last couple of years, and they never deviate from it. Is it fair to the backup? Well, I'm sure Mike Babcock's not not worried so much about being fair as he's worried about winning as many games as possible. And it might be that it makes sense to play your best goalie when he's fresh, uh, in, in when your team's fresh, when you've got the best chance to win the game. You know, maybe they just you just have a higher percentage chance of winning those games, and then you take your chances in a and hope it's a coin flip on the back to back. It's it's an interesting question to try and ponder what the right way to do it is. Makes it awfully tough on the back, on the backup though for sure. Sure. And last one for you James here. Uh a, a couple of year in review questions and thoughts, I guess. How will you remember the 2017 calendar year for the Maple Leafs? Do you think the the highlight is kind of that premature end to the rebuilding there will be pain days? Yeah, I think so. The thing that I remember is how they ended last season, uh, 12-5-1 run to make the playoffs, You know, um, scoring that goal against Pittsburgh to clinch the playoff spot and win that game, um, how hard they played against Washington, the President's Trophy winners, a team that I think they were 23 points ahead of them in the standings, uh, took them to overtime five times in a six-game series, uh, and just how Austin Matthews and William Nylander really came alive at the end of last year and you know, not only was it a premature end of the rebuild, it was it was really accelerating things forward, and it got to the point where now expectations are so high that people think that the Leafs can contend this season. And a lot of that was built on on the back of those great years that the seven rookies in the lineup every night had for the Leafs last season. Going to be an interesting 2018. All right, James, have a very happy New Year, my friend. Look forward to chatting with you throughout the new season. Okay, thank you, Andy. All right, James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto on Twitter at Myrtle. We're going to take the break, and on the other side, our NHL fantasy expert, James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com stops by after him. We have Heroes and Zeros from Scott Cullen on TSN.ca. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Paris to Kucherov, top of the right circle. Cross a stamp, goes left circle, shot! Score! Oh, stamp goes to Surly, had a shooting mentality in the power play. He scored a 5-on-3 power play goal last night, and he buries one tonight on a 5-on-4 power play. It's one of the Lightning. Welcome back, TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, TSN 1050.ca show page, and of course on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. Well, as we're wrapping up 2017, let's get into some NHL fantasy talk with our expert James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. James, how's it going, man? I'm a little chilly this morning, Andy. I'm down in <laughs> snowy Philadelphia right now for, oh. for, for New Year's, so it's, uh, it's a little cold out here. Oh, well, our friend Travis Yost, off the top of the show, I don't know if you heard, he uh, was mocking us, saying he is on a plane to Kauai, Hawaii. For New Year's. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, nice. I hope it rains. <laughs> nice kick in the stomach by Travis Yost. Anyway, yeah. uh, James, you know what? As we usually do, let's start off with... Stock up. Stock down. 
All right, so stock up, stock down for looking into this weekend's games on DraftKings and some fantasy hockey tips for your league as well. So who's who's two of your stock up players? Yeah, there were uh, a few guys that I was looking at for this weekend, but uh, number one that's standing out to me right now, Dan Hyman from the uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, forward skating on the third line there with David Backus and Riley Nash. Uh, points in six of his past eight games. Three goals, eight assists, four power play points, and uh, 17 shots on goal in that span. Uh, back-to-back multi-point games right now. He's uh, one of the top five scoring rookies in the league at the moment. So he's uh, really having a, a breakout season up there for Boston. When you look at what their offense has been doing lately, how good They've been clicking. You look at that first line of Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, and Brad Marchand. Uh, if they can get the secondary scoring from a guy like uh, Heinen and he can continue it, he's going to be a really effective and valuable fantasy asset for the rest of the season going forward for them. And then the second guy is Thomas Vanek from the Vancouver Canucks. Ten points in his last four games. He's coming off a five-point game on Thursday night against the Blackhawks with two goals and three assists, uh, five goals and five assists in his last four games, and he's skating on the Canucks' second line right now with uh, Sam Gagne and Brock Besser. So that's a really, really formidable line right now. Besser is on an absolute tear lately, so uh, Vanek gets a huge bump with his exposure to Besser at uh, even strength. So those are two stock up. Who are uh, a pair of stock down we should be avoiding in our fantasy lineup this weekend? Yeah, and uh, going back to the well from where I have over the past few weeks to uh, the Ottawa Senators, oh, so it's not going to be Eric Carlson, though. This one is going to be Mike Hoffman. Uh, it's kind of disappeared uh, as of late. Uh, he started the season very strong and, and has just really fallen off. Uh, zero points in his past four games, two points in his past seven. Uh, he has... 24 points and 122 shots on goal, but he's a minus 11 in 30 games, 36 games this season, and he has his lowest shooting percentage in his past four years, uh, 7.4%. So uh, I'm staying away from Mike Hoffman right now, and then the other one would be uh, Max Pacioretty, one goal in his past 18 contests for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he's coming off four straight 30-goal seasons, but he's on pace right now for less than – 20 goals this season and over a 20-point drop-off from his pace last season when he uh, had in the high 60s. So he's on pace right now for only 43 points this season. So uh, I'm avoiding both of them right now as we ring in 2018. Yeah, yeah, definitely stay away from those on the fantasy lineup this weekend. So that was stock up, stock down. Now, if we look big picture here, I want to get your Eastern and Western Conference fantasy MVPs so far. So let's start with the Eastern Conference. If we're looking conference-wide, a fantasy MVP. Yeah, this one's not going to be super surprising to anybody. It's Nikita Kucherov from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Uh, 54 points leads the league. He had 86 points last season. So, you know, we, we know what kind of a scorer he is, but I don't know if anybody really expected him to be as good and as dominant as he has been this season. He's arguably the best player in the league uh, through the first half of the year. Uh, 54 points, leading the league in 37 games. His 24 goals are tied for first in the league with Alex Ovechkin and Anders Lee from the New York Islanders. Uh, 20 power play points, 135 shots on goal right now. So uh, skating with Nemesnikov and Stamkos at even strength and on the power play down there, he's just been an absolute beast this season. 
And uh, clearly, he is the Eastern Conference MVP right now. So that's the East. What about the Western Conference? Yeah, the West, there were a few choices that I could have made. This one might be a little surprising. You look at the kind of year that a guy like Connor McDavid is having, and he's always going to be in the conversation. Johnny Goudreau is having a great year as well. But my Western Conference MVP right now is Blake Wheeler. Okay. Uh, You know, 10 goals, uh, 34 assists in 39 games, 17 power play points. Uh, 34 assists are second most in the league. He's skating right now with Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine on the Jets' first line, and they've actually shifted him to center in place of Shifley uh, out with that injury for six to eight weeks. And in his first game as center this season last night against the Islanders, he had a multi-point game. So he's their leading scorer. He's uh, one of the top ten leading scorers in the NHL right now. And when you look at where Winnipeg is this season compared to last season, they wouldn't be anywhere near there if it wasn't for the consistent development and play of a guy like Blake Wheeler. So he's, he's my Western Conference MVP for the first half. In conversation with James Harding, our NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. He joins us courtesy of the 3HL Tour hotline. Make sure you catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale right now at 3HLTour.com. One event coming up is the 3HL Sir Robert Barry Classic, Sunday, January 21st, 3 to 6 p.m. at the Barry Molson Center. But again, check out where an event is near you at 3 hltour.com Okay, James, so one of the great things with uh, the DraftKings is you can play the classic salary cap style or the new Pick'em style. So the Pick'em style is really picking up some popularity. So let's let's help some fans who are going to play a Pick'em contest on DraftKings this weekend. And we go to the NHL Pick'em Sniper contest. Um, well, so how the, the Pick'em works is you have eight different groups, and in each group you have a set of players, and you pick the player that you think is going to have the best fantasy week. So there's eight groups. Let's go through maybe the first, uh, depending on time, two or three here. Uh, group number one, you have Ovechkin versus New Jersey, Tarasenko versus Carolina, or Taylor Hall into Washington. Who do you like in that first tier for Saturday's games? Yeah, they're all really solid matchups. Ovechkin always dominates the, the Devils, so uh, he would definitely be one of the guys I would be considering between him and Tarasenko. But I went with Tarasenko against Carolina. I just think it's a slightly better matchup for him. He has one goal, one assist, and 12 shots on goal in his last three games. He had a goal uh, last night in the in the Blues game. So I, I like Tarasenko in that matchup against Carolina. And in Tier 2, we have uh, Trocek, Marshan, Kopitar, and Barkov. I like Anze Kopitar right there. Uh, nine points in his past ten games. He has uh, one shot, or excuse me, one goal and four shots on goal versus Vancouver uh, this season. So I think it's a favorable matchup. And throughout his career, he has always played well against Vancouver. So I, I like that spot right there. All right, so we're going Kopitar in the second tier, in the third grouping. All right, well, you talked about Besser a little bit earlier. Pietrangelo, uh, Shen, Bergeron, and Huberdeau. Yeah, and I'm going right back to that Kings-Vancouver game. I'm going uh, Besser there. He's points in nine of his last ten games, uh, 13 points in that span. He's skating on that line with Thomas Vanek and Vanek. Five-point game the other night against Chicago. Besser had a goal and three assists 
in that game against Chicago. So a four-point game for him, uh, one of the top rookie scorers in the league this season. I believe he actually is the top rookie scorer in the league right now. So uh, he hasn't been able to be slowed down by anybody. So I think that he's good for a point or two tonight, even though uh, Los Angeles is a pretty stout defense team. All right, we'll go one more grouping here, a bonus one for people out of the eight tiers. So in tier number four, we have Eric Stahl, Roman Yossi, Pasternak, Carlson, or Skinner. This is tough. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go actually uh, defense here. I'm oh. going Roman Yossi. Uh, he has points in, in his last two games. He had a point last night against Minnesota, faces them again tonight, and he has two points, uh, two block shots, and six shots on goal versus the Wild this season. So I, I like uh, I like Yossi there a lot. All right, so for the rest, hey, you can go uh, DraftKings.com, play the Pick'em Contest, and I'm sure James would be nice enough if you tweeted at him any fantasy uh, fantasy hockey advice that you need, whether it's for DraftKings or your league. Uh, James, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me, my uh, handle, jharding underscore hockey on Twitter. And, yeah, by all means, uh, tweet at me any fantasy questions that you have, and I'll be more than happy to try and answer them. All right, James. Well, Happy New Year, buddy. Enjoy Philly. It's not as warm as Hawaii, but, uh, you know, have a good time. We're making it work. Yeah. Happy New Year, buddy. <laughs> you too. James Harding, our NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com. We'll step aside. On the other side, Scott Cullen from tsn.ca with Heroes and Zeros. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network. Hedler passing to Vanek over the hawk line down the left wing, walks it in front of the net, leaves it there for Besser. He shoots and scores. And it's a five-point night for Thomas Vanek, tying a career high for Brock Besser. That's goals in four straight games, tying a career high for him. The Canucks are having some fun at the Hawks' expense and lead 5-1. to one. It's a Besser loving day here on TSN Hockey Analytics. And why not? Welcome back to the show. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. If you missed any of the show or want to go back to listen to past episodes or this one again, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the iHeartRadio app, on Twitter, of course, at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC81. We will post the link to the show right there. All right, to wrap things up, as we usually do, let's head to our TSN.ca pal, Scott Collins. Scotty, happy almost New Year, my friend. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Andy? I am doing good. You know what? Let's get right into it. It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. And Scotty joins us on the 3HL Tour Hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. You can get the 3HL Owen Sound Bayshore Knockout Saturday, January 13, 3 to 6 p.m. at the Harry Lumley Bayshore Community Center. Or, hey, if you're not in Owen Sound, just go to 3HLTour.com. Check out where they're coming near you. Okay, Scotty, what is your first hero for this past week? Uh, we're going with Jonathan Marcheseau, and it's probably an overdue hero for uh, for Marcheseau, but it uh, does have eight points during a five-game point streak, and in that time running a 63% Corsi. Uh, he's up over a point per game on the season, um, which has to stand as one of the uh, the great moves that uh, Vegas made during the expansion draft is uh, securing their deal to get Jonathan Marcheseau out of Florida. Um you know, and, and and as we're in the holiday season, it's kind of a lump of coal for Florida <laughs> that, that that they managed to give away this player who is on a bargain contract and is massively productive. Um, 
and they really didn't have to. It was just kind of their, of their own doing, and, and it's uh, you know caused them some problems, I think, in, in the meantime. And so that's the first hero. Who is your second hero of the week? The second hero, we're going with Kevin Fiala of uh, the Nashville Predators. Uh, he's a point per game in the past 12 games. Uh, he's really kind of taken off uh, since Kyle Turris arrived and makes sense. You, know, you give, uh, give him a quality center uh, and his, his offensive production has really taken off. But, you know, as I say, 12 points in the past 12 games. Uh, in the past half dozen, of course, he's up over 61%. Uh, and I think that the, that added secondary scoring is what's made uh, Nashville so dangerous. Like, I think early in the year they were doing fine. They were okay. Uh, I think since Turris has been there and given them really a second quality scoring line, um, you know, they, they've beaten one of the best teams in, in the league. So, um, yes, Kevin Fiala gets our second hero. So those are the first two heroes for the zeros now to wrap up 2017. He's not a character from the movie Goodfellas. Sonny Milano from the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> Sonny Milano. And, and honestly, I, I, I try not to pick on guys who are, you know, battling for a spot on the roster. Right. Which, is, which is the case for Sonny Milano. Yeah, he's, he's a you know, former first-round pick who's got some skill and has scored some goals this year. Uh, but he's kind of on the roster bubble with the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh, right now I can understand why he happens to be on the outs. Uh, past couple of weeks he's running a 29% Corsi which is not easy to do uh, <laughs> and it, it, it gets it gets worse as, the, as you move kind of closer to the net so 29% Corsi, 23% of the shots, 19% of the scoring chances in the past five games um, with, with those numbers you're kind of just, you're going to have to wait for injury to get back in the lineup now to, to Sonny Milano's you know, good fortune is that the, the Blue Jackets, oh, the, the opportunity is there for him to uh, play, uh, even though his, his performance lately has not warranted that, that spot in the lineup. No, no, not at all. And the second hero, or second zero, rather, Jared Spurgeon. Yes, and this is you know, a bit of a kind of twist because early in the year he was off to a great, great start. In fact, I think at the first quarter I had him uh, at least mentioned among the Norris Trophy candidates. Uh, but since he came back from injury, it's uh, been a bit of a struggle, uh, running around 39% Corsi uh, and even even worse in terms of scoring chances and somewhere in the mid-30s. And, and so, you know, I, I look at that, given given how great the start was for, for Spurgeon, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not a huge concern, but it's also sort of something to keep an eye on, like whether, you know, maybe he just isn't 100% since coming back from injury or um, – you know, maybe, maybe this is just a little bit of regression catching up to him, but um, the play recently for Spurgeon certainly hasn't been at the level that he was early in the year. So that is heroes and zeros. And Scotty, if we look at uh, your statistically speaking article from Friday, and you write that Monday to Friday on TSN.ca, of course, and you, uh, you tweet it out on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen, a couple of Maple Leafs popping into the hero category. Mitch Marner, Patrick Marlowe, and we have spoke earlier in the year about Mitch Marner and maybe not shooting enough, not the best shot, whatever. But let's start with Marner. He's been uh, been doing quite well. Yeah, you know what, and when we did talk about it, the, the one reason that I was kind of a little bit optimistic about Marner's chances is that he had started shooting the puck more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he went through, he had a couple of games where he had like, six shots and seven shots, and those are kind of, those are high watermarks for him. He, he tends not to shoot uh, nearly that much. And um, if you can get him, I mean, even to, you know, keep defenses honest, uh, the you, you Take half a dozen shots a game and uh, and see what comes of it. I, I think that that makes him a, a more dangerous player all around. Anyway, we already know he's a, a great passer and he's going to put up points that way. But you know, if you're if you're a great passer and, and you put up fifty plus assists, 
um, you know, if you could find your way to 20 goals, it's better than being stuck at eight or 10 goals. You know, I think and that's sort of the challenge that, that awaits for Marley because I, he's not a, you know, he doesn't have this super heavy shot. He's not going to be, you know, blasting it past goalies from the wing on, on a regular basis. But, you know, if, if you're going to, Kind of maximize your offensive contribution. I think you you can't just decide that you're you're never going to shoot. And so I think you know now that Marner has um, kind of taken it upon himself in in recent weeks, I would say to to create more of that offense and, and generate some uh, some scoring chances. You know we're seeing some some much better results. So um, I, I I would say I expect it to continue because um, what was going on in say the first you know third of the season didn't seem like. Uh, what was a fair expectation for Mitch Marner in his second season. And, Scotty, we'll wrap up with uh, another zero on, uh, statistically speaking, poor Scott Wedgwood from the Coyotes. <laughs> Is this a product of Wedgwood not being good? You're on 843 save percentage in the past five games. Is it the players in front of them? Is it Wedgwood? Is it just everything sucking in Arizona? <laughs> little from column A, little from column B there, uh, Andy. Uh, one, like, Wedgwood's at least getting a chance to play in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that Arizona, you know, when they were kind of desperate with some uh, goaltending injuries early in the year, and, and when they, could, they couldn't buy a save from anybody. Uh, like, Louis Domingue uh, was, was playing for them and, and was really struggling. Um, but, you know, Wedgwood came in and played all right for a little while. Um, I think he's... Um, I wouldn't say overstayed his welcome, but I think they found that he's, uh, you know, their backup uh, right now to Antti Ranta, and, and they would hope that he can provide some, um, you know, reliable games and spot duty behind Ranta. But you know, Ranta has a hard time staying healthy, and so it means Wedgwood ends up, uh, I think, getting played probably more than they would like. And as you can see, the results lately have not been great. Um, but as, as you re- reference, uh, pretty much everything has been going wrong in Arizona. So yeah. you can't. It, it's tough to pin this all on Scott Wedgwood. Yeah, it really is. Well, Scotty, listen, thank you so much for everything you do for us here on the show. Have a great New Year, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Andy. Happy New Year to you and your family, too. Absolutely. Okay, that is Scott Cullen. Get him on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen, and find his work Monday to Friday, tsn.ca. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it. Last show of 2017. So for producer Sean Lavery and Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.